This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. You know, the first time I heard the words, this gathering is illegal, was in Bharatnagar, Nepal, in a church where I was about to lead 100 pastors and Christian leaders uh, in, a, in teaching the Bible for a week, and in walks a, a guy, uh, the, he turns out to have been the local police, of chief, uh, police chief for the Communist Party in Bharatnagar, and, and he had the look of a communist, which is to say that uh, he wasn't very happy. Uh, and he said, uh, this gathering is illegal. Now, I had taken out my phone, and uh, I began to text a friend of mine who's, a, I guess you'd say, a powerful attorney, just to because I thought, I'm going to jail today. And so I was like, okay, hey, Jay, uh, it's Darren. I've just been arrested in Bharatnagar, Nepal. Um, tell Shannon and the kids I love them. It's going to be okay. Uh, tell them, yeah, like, I'm, like I knew that, but I, I, I believed it. But, uh, and please send help, and, but don't uh, respond to this. I'm going to delete this message because they're going to confiscate my phone and any help you can give. And so they begin uh, to give the little speech up front. I've got my thumb hovering over the send button at this point. And again, 100 pastors and leaders from all over the, the region. And up this, uh, this, this leader stands up and he begins to address the crowd, kind of like I'm addressing you, and says, this gathering is illegal, but... I remember last year when the floods that came to our city rocked our city and you were the only ones who helped us when no one else would. And because of that, I'm going to allow this gathering. And if anyone gives you any trouble, here is my business card. Apparently, communist police chiefs carry business cards. I don't know if you know that. Uh, but he, he did, and I keep it in the drawer of my desk at home as a reminder that the church that Jesus planted, the church that Jesus started, can't be stopped. And if Easter has taught us anything, it's that if you can't stop a guy from raising from the dead, Man, what else can you not stop him from? And what I learned in this last year was that because Jesus is who he said he was, that the church cannot be stopped. Because of his death, the thing that we recognized on Friday, because of his death, it means that your past can't stop you. And because of his resurrection, it means that death can't even stop you. What it simply means is that you and I who are in Christ, we can't be stopped. Death itself can't stop what Christ has started in Matthew 16, if you have your Bibles. Matthew 16, verse 17, 18, Jesus is having this conversation with Peter and he tells Peter, you know, who do you say that I am? Peter says, hey, yeah, others say you're a good teacher. Some say you're a good Messiah. And how many of you know that Jesus didn't leave us that option? Like, we don't patronize him, as C.S. Lewis would say, with saying that he's a good teacher. He didn't leave you that option. He didn't intend to. He, he's, Peter's saying, okay, but here's what I say. I say you're the Messiah. I say you're the one that God chose that you, and he said to Peter on that day, 
you have said well of that. And on that is what I'm going to build my church. Not on Jesus, the good teacher. Not on Jesus, the guy with a lot of good advice. Not on Jesus, TikTok with good advice from Buddhists and Muslims, whatever. But like on that rock, I'm going to build this church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against that church. He stood and said that. In fact, those of you that are going to Israel with me in February of next year will stand at the very cave in Caesarea Philippi where he spoke these words. And in that cave, the, the pagans at that time, they worshiped the god Pan. I, I don't know if it was Peter or not, or, or distant relative, who knows. But in that cave, they would throw a child's sacrifice into what they thought were the gates of hell, the gates of Hades. You see, Jesus, it, it, he actually says he was on his way to Jerusalem. It's like saying that I was going to Chattanooga, but I needed to stop off in Jackson. It wasn't on the way to Caesarea Philippi. He went there on purpose because he wanted to make a statement to the gods of this world to put them on notice that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church that Jesus was going to start. And in our world, what that feels like today is it wasn't that we're supposed to lock ourselves in and keep evil out. This was offense language, not defense. This is us going to the gates of hell. Gates of hell in our day would be, for instance, uh, the Bible says in the book of James, there's two kinds of wisdom, wisdom from God, wisdom from demons, okay? The wisdom of demons would say that the child inside of a mother's womb is a globular bunch of cells and has no rights and should be able to be discarded at will. Okay, that would be a gate of hell. You might think, well, wait a minute. What a, but if you're that baby and you got to vote, I think you vote that I'm, I've got fingers in a heartbeat because I'm a person. So the gate of hell, as controversial as this might seem in our culture, is to say, we're charging that gate. And when we charge that gate, what that looks like is you guys bringing those little baby bottles with money in it that is now going to be given to the pregnancy center of Middle Tennessee so that a young mom who's trying to make a decision to, to break down the gate of hell around her and allow that child to live is now gonna have resources for this to help her get through that process to walk her through it. You, you thought you were bringing baby bottles. You're charging the gates of hell. The, the gates of hell around slavery. In the world right now, there are more slaves alive right now in the world than there were during the entirety of the European slave trade. Did you know that? Literally, right now. Is that wisdom from God or wisdom from demons, right? That's pretty easy. It's wisdom from demons. And so what do you do with that? Well, what we, we do is we charge the gates of hell. You ask yourself sometimes, what would I have done had I have lived during that time, and I'm telling you, you don't have to ask yourself, what would I have done? Ask yourself, what am I doing? Because it's happening right now. And as a part of Conduit Church, when we started gathering back in June of last year, every Sunday, we have given the opportunity to free slaves in Southeast Asia from the brick kilns, from the, the, the abuse, from the slavery that they live in. This morning, a family that's been slaves for 30 years, 30 years, we've wired the money, they'll be free tomorrow. Today, thank you, well, give yourselves a hand, I didn't do it. Today, by the way, as of right this moment, in the last nine months, as of this moment, 
This church, Conduit Church, has freed 100 families. Free. And if you look around this room right now, there's about 500 of us sitting in here that represents about 550 people. Imagine everybody that you are sitting around right now gets up today, goes home, not a slave anymore. The church is charging the gates of slavery, the gates of hell around it. The church that Jesus started is going to stand and do what Jesus would do. Not just any church is not going to stand. It's, it's the church of Jesus. And what does the church of Jesus do? We do what Jesus said. We do what Jesus would have done. Do you think Jesus would free slaves? Absolutely. That's what we do. But we don't do it because of social justice. We do it because of Jesus' resurrection. We don't do it out of works. We do it out of love. You see, his death is here to remind us because after Peter says that, hey, you're, you're the guy, you're Messiah, and Jesus says, yes, and the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. And here's how you know you're a part of the church that Jesus is Jesus' church. Chapter 16, verse 23, he says, from that time on, Jesus then began to tell them that I've got to go to Jerusalem. And he says, I must die. Must die. Not that I get to. When Jesus' death happened, it wasn't a diversion of the plan. It was the plan. You see, the plan was that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him, John 3, 16, would have everlasting life. You won't perish if you believe in him. The problem is you and I have something in our lives called sin. And that sin creates a barrier between us and him. And I know that our modern Western sensibilities, that that might be offensive, but we actually know it in the core of who we are. We're actually watching it play out right now in real time in something that is called cancel culture. Are you familiar? Uh, Marcus Luttrell, uh, the guy, uh, lone survivor of the book, the movie, the, the Navy SEAL that was rescued, he was being uh, interviewed by Joe Rogan, and, and Joe Rogan says to Marcus Luttrell, he's talking to him about cancel culture, and I guess if, if I'm a Navy SEAL, I don't spend a lot of time on, on the TikTok or, or searching Twitter, or, they probably got stuff to do. He had no idea, he's like, I, I've heard of cancel culture, and Rogan's laughing, how is it possible? You know, he's like, well, I'm not on the internet, I don't know. And then he says this amazing thing. Marcus Luttrell says, cancel culture. Like, who's in charge of that? Like, is there somebody like the CEO of cancel and then they make the decisions? Like, this is a genuine question he's asking that if you stopped and thought about it like I did when he said it, is a legitimate question. And if you don't know, cancel culture just means that you and I, everything we've ever done exists right now in some form or fashion, whether in photographs, in email form, in your social media account, that it's out there somewhere that when somebody finds it, if they don't like you, whether you're a Supreme Court nominee or you're the editor of Teen Vogue, they find something that when you were, you said it when you were 17 years old. Do you know how many did, like, good decisions I made when I was 17? None. None of my decisions were good when I was 17. But cancel culture says that when I can go back however long and I don't like it, and now you're fired, you're canceled because of your sin. 
Now, here's the, here's the rub that I feel when I hear that. There are some people in their sin when I hear what they did, I want them canceled. There are some people that hear my sin and what I did, they want me canceled. Because at the core of all of us, we actually know that when I have sinned against you or you have sinned against me, there is no such thing as a victimless sin. Somebody has to pay. But you can't apologize out of the abuse that you've given. You cannot pay your way out of the crime that you committed. Somebody has to pay, but they can't because there is no currency. The toothpaste is out of the tube. Now, how do you know, if you're God, how do you know? I know everything Darren's ever done. I know every thought he's ever had. I know every thing he's said and done. How can I not cancel him? Because I know and you know that if your stuff comes out, you could be canceled too. That's the rub. The Twitter mob is the least of your worries. It's standing in front of the God of the universe who knows everything. Jesus' death was very simple. John chapter one, when John the Baptist saw him, he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the whole world. Mark ten forty five. Jesus gave his life laid it down as a ransom to pay. So this perfect person giving his life pays for your sin so that you don't have to. To put it differently, God figured out a way to cancel your sin without canceling you. His death cancels your sin. And because of that, your past can't stop you in Christ. The things that I've said or that I have done, Psalms says that as far as the east is from the west, that that far I have thrown your sins, I don't remember them anymore. Your sins have been canceled. And when your sin is canceled, that means that whatever those things are that are in your past that are haunting you, they're gone, they're washed away. And because your past, because of his death, right? Because who he said he was, the church can't be stopped. Because he died, your past can't stop you, but he didn't stay dead. That's why we're here. He resurrected. And because of that, your future can't be stopped. He goes on in chapter 16, verse 25, to say, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses your life, for me, you'll find it. When he says that John chapter two, unless a man is born again, he can't enter the kingdom of God. He's saying, this is a, it's not just a new start. You're a new person. Jesus didn't come to make bad people better. He came to make dead people alive. And I don't know if you've seen the statistics, but 10 out of 10 people, this is a recent survey. This is science. 10 out of 10 people die. Like it's solid. That is solid science right there. It actually reminds me of the story of a, of a man that was uh, very sick and he went to the hospital. And he, when he gets to the hospital, he's, uh, the doctor's got some news. And he actually asks him to leave and says to him, he brings his wife in and says, honey, I need to tell you something. Your husband is in bad shape. The only way he's going to survive is if he is completely stress-free at this point. So from, from this moment on, if he's going to make it, you're going to have to 
make breakfast for him every morning. You're gonna need to pack a lunch and write little love notes in their form. Romantic evenings, whatever he wants to watch on TV, let him watch it. Only kind words to him. Don't raise your voice. Whatever it takes, if he has stress, what we've got, that's the only way he's gonna make it. And so she walks to the car and he gets, she gets in the car and he's like, honey, what, what did the doctor say? She said, you're gonna die. pretty good, huh? (laughs) If there's anything this last year has taught us, it's that. Every one of us one day steps into that role. And the question is, when I breathe my last breath here, where do I breathe my next breath? I have a cross that is on my wall made of horseshoes by a guy named Richard Verboski. It's right in my desk, right in front where I study to be reminded of a man that well into his 60s gave his life to Christ. He was baptized right here in this church building. And so when Richard got the news that nobody wants to get, but the news that every day some of us will get that he wasn't going to be here much longer, he took his last breath this side of heaven and took his next breath on the other side, standing in front of a heavenly father that said, sin, what sin? Your sin was canceled. Resurrection, that Jesus' resurrection from the grave was a promise that you and I would live forever, those of us who are in Christ. It is not ethereal. It is literal. That's the promise for all of us who are in Christ, that you will breathe your last breath here someday. We spent an entire year being so afraid of dying that some of us were afraid to live. But the fact of the matter is, the one of those of you that had maybe some of that fear of death, the one thing that you can say that maybe some of us couldn't is at least you were aware that that's coming for us all at some point. And the question is, how do I breathe my next, next breath on the other side in eternity with Christ? Jesus rose so that we could rise. He was the firstborn, the first of, of many of us. And the only way that can stop that, I've just told you three things that can't be stopped. The church, your past, your future. But let me tell you what can stop you. If you reject the work that Christ gave, you reject the work that Jesus did for you, that will stop you. It'll stop you dead in your tracks. Your past can stop you. Your destiny, your future is stopped. Your church can be stopped. But those of us who are in Christ, we know that a guy that resurrected from the dead, we ought to listen to what he has to say. He might have something going on that we should listen to. I'm gonna ask you to do something that might feel a little weird in church because you're supposed to not have your phones out, but would you take your phones out? I'm gonna ask you to do something that might seem weird, but trust me. Some of you just met me. Trust you? Are you kidding me? I'm not gonna make you do anything weird. But pull out your text message. I want you to imagine like you were me sitting in Nepal last October, okay? And I want you to pull out your phone and where your text message is, pull it up, and I want you to type the number where you would not like normally type somebody's number and name. I want you to type 97,000 in there, okay? And it, when you type in 97,000, go down to the message part, and I just want you to write one word. And don't, don't send. Nobody hit send. Please don't hit send yet. I want you to type the word unstoppable. If you can't spell it, 
Uh, at least iPhone, anyway, will finish it for you. You Android guys might be on your own, but, uh, <laughs> but it will finish you. I know that on an iPhone. Now, here's what I'm asking you. You might be here today, and you might be thinking, I, I, I mean, who would say I'm here and I'm not worried about my past at all? I, I've got this. I have nothing in my past that I need to hide, nothing in my past that, I, that couldn't cancel me in, in, in front of God. Not, again, Twitter mob, least of your worries. Nothing that could cancel you in front of God. If you're, if you, who would here would say that, right? Who here would say that I'm not worried. I'm not scared of the future. I got this handled. And by the way, if that's you, we'll be done here in a minute. But also if that's you, I want you to know that that breaks my heart. Because I feel like if that's you, you're not being honest with yourself. But if it is you and you say that I'm I am worried about my past. My past, there's stuff that I don't want to face God with, that I've never trusted in Christ before. How, what better way to honor the resurrection of Jesus? Don't waste this moment to walk out of here without this moment of saying that, Jesus, I do want to trust you. You are the Lamb of God that takes away my sins, that I can stand before a holy God with my sins canceled. And I love what John says in 1 John, not just the sins yesterday, not just my sins today, but the sins in the future, all taken care of by Jesus. My past is gone. My future is secure. If you would want to know that today, would you pray? Everybody bow your head. I'm not gonna have anybody raise your hands, but pray with me where you are, Lord, I have things in my past that I need washed away by the perfect sacrifice that you provided for me. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll come, that you'll reside inside of me. Lord, pray, Jesus, that you would make me new, that I get the not just a new start, but a new person, being born again, born of the Spirit now because you died, because you resurrected, because you are who you said you are, Lord. I receive that, I'm thankful for it. It's in your name we pray, amen. If you prayed that for the first time, or this is your moment, you think, I wanna trust Jesus like that today, hit send on your text message right now. You're gonna get a link back, send an email we'd love to pray with you but just hit send right now and you're going to get information about the prayer that you just prayed and there might be some here that are like you know what i've been following jesus for a while but i've been i have not been living as the alive person he created me to be i want to pray i want to dedicate who i am i want you to hit send on your text message and you can write it in the little message there of what it is that you want us to pray for you about there are some of you that you've been following Jesus, but you've never been baptized. You've never followed him into baptism, which represents the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. You hit send on your text message right now. And there you can mark baptism and we will find you and we will baptize you when you're ready. But for all of us, here's what I want to say. That day that I was getting ready to text Jay, I got to delete that text because Jesus was already there, I didn't need Jay. On that day, I, I rose up and I just followed Jesus out of 
arrest, out of imprisonment, out of this, and I followed Jesus into his calling on my life. As you're sitting there right now, hold your phones up, realize Jesus is already here. Delete that text, stand to your feet, and let's rise up on this Easter Sunday and follow Jesus out of this parking lot and into the world as we leave.